Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to season four of Confessions of a New Grad. This podcast is an ongoing story, so if you haven't listened to the first three seasons yet, I'd recommend starting there. Also, just a heads up, there are some swearing and adult themes in the show. Chapter 41, France. My fingers hovered over the keyboard. Was that it? Was I really done? I scrolled back up the page. Surely there was something else I could edit or fix. I didn't know what done felt like, but this didn't seem like it. I checked the clock on my phone. It was almost 10 a.m. Good morning. A text from Apollo with a blue heart at the end was shining across the screen from a few hours ago. He'd been messaging me that every morning and good night every night for nearly four months now. He even factored in the time difference to make sure he got me during my mornings and nights. It was really sweet and sometimes I replied, but overall I'd been quite distant because I was in France and I needed to focus on writing. And even though he'd sent those messages every day, I wasn't sure what was going to happen when I got home. I still didn't believe he was going to do all the things he said he would. My phone buzzed with another text. I'm coming to pick you guys up at the airport on Friday, by the way. You don't have to do that. I want to. Only way I'm not coming is if you don't want me to. Well, I suppose it's always nice to have a ride. Perfect. I'll be outside the terminal. Don't you need the flight number? Oh, please. I got that from Gemma weeks ago. I smirked as a seagull cawed. The magazine I'd sold my fuckboy story to had reached out the other day to ask for another installment. This time, they were actually willing to pay me. Only $50, but still. It was the first time anyone had ever paid me to write anything. So, I definitely wanted to do it. The only problem was, those stories were about Apollo. And I didn't know how to tell more of them because... I didn't know how they would end. I watched the seagull soar up from the deep blue water at the bottom of the cliffs that I and a few other residents were currently perched on. It was a sunny day, and a light sweater and a little blanket had been all I'd needed to take my work outside. Igor, a pianist from Ukraine, was practicing his compositions on the grand piano under the foyer. His work was transcendently beautiful, and had essentially served as a private soundtrack for my novel. Next to me, Adriana, a high-energy painter from Spain, was attacking her canvas with stroke after aggressive stroke. Carl, a somber poet from the UK, was gazing glumly at the pen in his hands. You have finished? Celine, the residence coordinator, was peering down at me. She was draped in a shawl, as usual, and her aqua blue eyes were shining. Celine was the definition of aging gracefully, in my opinion. 
I didn't know how old she was, but based on the stories she told, she couldn't be any younger than 60. She was so chic and elegant. Her laugh lines were warm and her tan skin was wrinkled from years of enjoying the sun. I hadn't really given much thought to getting older up until that point, but when I did, I hoped I'd do it like Celine. She looked her age, and she was beautiful. I'm not quite finished, I told her. Gotta edit this last chapter. Celine's soft hand gently pulled mine off the keyboard. You have finished your first novel. Take a moment, take it in. She gestured for me to breathe deeply with her, and I did, enjoying the sounds of the birds and the rush of the ocean. You've worked very hard, Brooklyn. I'm proud of you. I'm always fascinated with how people choose to spend their time here. We artists are always wishing for that precious time to engage in our passion, but most people, when finally given that time, find they would rather use it exploring our beautiful coast and eating our delicious food. I'm always interested to see who keeps that work ethic, and to be honest, I didn't think you would when I first met you. I thought you'd be like... Brooklyn, Gemma called from the bottom of the steps that led down to the water. Come swimming, it's wonderful. Um, in a bit, Gem, I called back. Celine closed my laptop. If you let yourself, you could edit this forever. Go, enjoy your last days here. <sighs> why, 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 Gemma whined. Her carry-on bag had just fallen out of the overhead compartment and thumped on top of her head. You okay? I asked, as she huffed into the seat next to me. No! What's wrong? Gemma had been in a foul mood ever since we'd left the residency. Everything! She crossed her arms and glared out the plane's window. Gem, we just spent four months creating art in one of the most beautiful places on Earth. How are you mad about that? I'm not mad about that. I'm mad that we're leaving. Oh, I mean, we couldn't stay forever, Jem. Why not? Because that wasn't real life. But why can't it be real life, Brooklyn? Why? Why do I have to work full time on my art and not get paid anything? I don't know. I don't make the rules. No one cares about the arts and I'm over it. Yeah, it's not fair. Oh, they're so lucky. Who? Lana and Bree. Why? Because they love stable things that make them money. I mean, do you want to wipe old people's butts? Because that's what Bree's been doing all term. Okay, well, obviously there's parts of nursing that aren't glamorous, but at least she's getting compensated for her dream. Meanwhile, I... Nursing isn't Bree's dream. Oh, you know what I mean, though. No, I don't. You and I are doing what we love. Bree isn't, so... No, I don't have an issue with her getting better job security than we do. I suppose it's hard for you to understand because you have a steady paycheck too. You mean from teaching? Yeah. But teaching isn't my dream. And you could have that too if you wanted. What do you mean? I mean, there's a whole world of day jobs out there, Gemma. You could get one. But any day job I get won't pay nearly as well as teaching. That's why we're in different boats. You could become a teacher too. But that would be another 12 months of school. I shrugged. Yeah, I know. I did it. And I don't want to be a teacher. 
Okay, well then stop saying I'm lucky then. I mean you're lucky that you get to teach a subject that is actually so closely related to what you do love. Meanwhile, what would I teach? Oh, geez, I don't know. What's that subject where they do art called again? But I don't want to be that sad art teacher who's only there because she failed as an artist. You mean like how I'm that sad English teacher who's only there because I failed as a writer? That's not what I mean. You'll make it eventually. You just need to do this while you're figuring it out. Which is also what you could do. Oh, I just don't want to invest all my time into plan B when I know I really want plan A. I don't want to do that either, but I have to pay my rent, so... Oh, I know. I hate living at home as well. I didn't say anything. I wouldn't want to live at home either, but doing so meant that Gemma avoided paying rent and grocery bills in Vancouver, so I also had no sympathy. She was free to move out if she really wanted to, but I knew she wouldn't because she liked not having to pay for anything. I'm sorry, I'm just frustrated. It's fine. I smiled stiffly and leaned against the window, closing my eyes as though I was going to take a nap. But it wasn't fine. I was still annoyed, but I felt a little hypocritical for being annoyed. Gemma was complaining about the same things I had when I'd graduated, when I thought it was just so incredibly unfair that I had to spend all my time teaching when I knew that I really just wanted to be a writer. But now, hearing her express the exact same sentiment was irking me. It was odd. It hadn't been that long since I'd felt the way she did, but I didn't feel that way anymore. Sure, in a perfect world, I would love to be paid even just enough to survive as a full-time writer right out of school. But the real world isn't perfect, and no one in it gets that chance, unless they're so rich that money isn't even a consideration. And the way Gemma was speaking, the way she'd said it was fine for me to have to pay my dues at my day job that she wasn't willing to, made it seem like she thought her time was more important than mine. And hearing her say it made me realize that I had also felt that way about myself not that long ago. But that was such a spoiled and privileged point of view, especially coming from someone like Gemma, who could live at home for free and therefore was already leap years ahead of most struggling artists because her basic living costs were taken care of. When I'd first graduated, I'd felt envious of Gemma's option to live at home. But now I didn't anymore. Maybe if I'd had her safety net, I wouldn't have done what I needed to do to be independent. And I really liked being independent. What was annoying me about Gemma wasn't that she seemed to want what I had. It was that she didn't seem to want to put in any effort to get there. She was acting as though I'd tripped and fallen on a reasonably well-paying day job as a teacher, while her lower earning potential was simply due to bad luck. I loved Gemma, but I was not loving her entitlement right now. We were so young and so lucky to have spent four months in France. A trip that, in all honesty, she'd spent most of gallivanting rather than actually doing any work. And now she was pissed off that we couldn't have stayed forever? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sur ton corps, j'oublie notre guerre. Oh, of course it's raining. My God, Vancouver, it's June, Gemma grumbled as we pulled our bags off the carousel and loaded them onto a trolley. I was too distracted to be annoyed by her attitude anymore. Apollo was somewhere outside, waiting to pick us up, and I still couldn't quite believe it. Where is Apollo meeting us? Uh, are you okay? No. Oh, Brooklyn, it'll be fine. Apollo has been waiting for you for months, and he messaged me weeks ago to find our flight number. Unless he's some kind of psychopath, he wouldn't do that unless he was committed to coming. Yeah, I know, but I can't shake the feeling that something's going to go wrong. Nothing is going to go wrong, Gemma said confidently. But then, if he does come, what then? What do you mean? I mean, we've never really had any time together without all the drama and distractions. Yeah, thank God that's all over. But what if, without all of that, he just gets bored of me? Wow, you really need to work on your self-confidence, Brooklyn. The only time we ever really spent together was when we first started dating back at UBC, and he dumped me then. Wasn't that because he had, like, just broken up with his high school girlfriend and wasn't over it, though? Yeah, that's what he told me, but... And trust. You guys should really work on that, too. I laughed without humor. Yeah, well, can you really blame me for not having trust? No, she said sagely. But what's the solution, Brooklyn? I don't know. Well, here are your options. Either you give it a go with him, or you don't. But please, just pick one and stick to it, because the two of you have been in limbo for what feels like my whole entire life, and I love you, but I'm exhausted. I bit my lip. I have picked one. I'm gonna give it a go with him. Okay, well then trust that he'll be outside, and that you two will have a lovely time without all the drama, and just stop fretting. You're right. Okay. Fab, she beamed, pulling me outside. It was not, in fact, Fab. God damn you, Apollo, Gemma cried, tossing her backpack onto the floor and flopping down on her luggage cart. We'd walked the entire pickup area twice over in the past hour. Apollo wasn't here. I'd called and texted him, but he hadn't responded. Call him again, Gemma commanded. I obliged, but it went straight to voicemail. Give me that. Gemma lunged for my phone as I made to hang up at the beep of his answering machine. Apollo, you bastard, she shouted into the mouthpiece. I trusted you when Bree said you were a no-good fuckboy, and even Lana, who is the biggest fuckboy the world has ever known, thought Brooklyn should give up on you. I defended 
offended you? And perhaps I was blinded by your washboard abs, which you put on full display during our trip to Costa Rica, by the way. But mostly I did it because I thought that maybe somehow all of this hullabaloo was worth it and you and Brooklyn were soulmates or something. But this is the absolute last straw. I was already having a bad enough day and now you've gone and left us stranded at the airport. Good day to you, Apollo. Never call Brooklyn again. I blinked stupidly at her as she tossed my phone back. Are you all right? She asked gently. Yeah. She cocked her head sympathetically. I mean, no. Oh, come here, love, she said, holding her arms out to me, but still not getting up from her seat on the trolley. I bent over and hugged her clumsily. We swayed, and everything toppled over. Why? Gemma cried furiously. A little family of tourists stared at us in alarm. What are you gawking at? Gemma shouted at them as we pulled the trolley back up. Go on, go! I thought Canadians were supposed to be nice, Daddy, the little girl said to her father. Her father scooped her up in his arms and rushed away. Now I'm scaring the children, Gemma said glumly. Perhaps an all-time low. I didn't know why, but I started laughing. Why are you at Brooklyn? But then she was laughing too. We giggled uncontrollably, people giving us a wide radius as they made their way by, until a voice called, Oh my god, are you high? We looked up to see Lana leaning out of Bree's parents' minivan. Lana, thank god, we're saved! Gemma leapt up dramatically. Calm down, Gem. We could have taken the Sky Train home, I hiccuped. What are you guys doing here? I texted them, Gemma admitted, as Lana and Bree got out and the four of us converged in a hug. Great. So, you both know about Apollo? Who? Lana asked. I don't know that name. He doesn't exist. He's blocked, obliterated, erased from our lives. Sorry, Brooklyn, Bree said. But we thought we'd make the most of it and surprise you. James and I need to give you your keys back anyway. Come on, let's dump your stuff, get you showered, and grab a drink, Lana said. I'm sure you need it. If that's some kind of hint that we smell, I take offense, Lana, Gemma said, as we tossed our suitcases into the back. It's not a hint. You do smell. You have a cigarette butt stuck on your butt. I what? Gemma swirled around. Oh, God, you get it off me, Brooklyn? Brooklyn! All right, yes, I suppose we could do with a shower. A little while later, the four of us were seated at a table by the window of a restaurant overlooking English Bay. Ah, okay, I did miss those mountains. Four Bellinis, please, Lana told the waiter before he could even hand us our menus. It is pretty nice here, I said. Love how it finally stopped raining the moment you two got done showering, Bree said. It's been nothing but rain for weeks. Yes, seeing the clouds when we landed was so depressing, Gemma said. Lana threw her napkin at her. So how was it here, other than the rain, I asked. Did you and James enjoy my place, Bree? We loved it, she said. It's not 100% yet, but apparently a unit a few floors above you just gave notice, and Danny says we can have it in August. Really? I squealed. I would love to be neighbors. Us too. But I thought you two were trying to save money by living at home still, Gemma asked. We were, but I'll be a full-time nurse at the end of the summer, and it's just time, you know? Plus, Brooklyn's building is actually kind of affordable for Vancouver. Yeah, my place is great, especially now that my crazy neighbor has been evicted. No dishwasher or ensuite laundry, though, Gemma pointed out. 
I mean, for that location, you're not going to get anything for what Brooklyn pays that does have those things, Lana said fairly. Yeah, and trust me, for the price and the privacy, we're good with it, Bree said. How are things going with you and Steve, Lana? Gemma asked. Who? Steve, you know, the guy Brooklyn was dating who you stole in Costa Rica? I'm kidding, Lana grinned. They're going really well. I hope that's not too weird. Is it, Brooklyn? It's all good, I said. And it was. I hadn't given Steve a second thought over the past few months. Maybe we'll all move into Brooklyn's building together once I'm finally done with school, Lana said. Gemma choked on her water. What? Nothing, Gemma said quickly. I've just never seen you so committed. Lana shrugged. I love him. Those words never held much weight when it came to Lana, so we moved on. What about you, Jem? Bree asked. Are you still talking to Braylon? We kept in touch a bit while I was away, yeah. You did? I looked over at her, surprised. Gemma had broken up with Braylon before we left and behaved very much like a single lady on our trip. She'd pretty much slept in this French guy's room the whole time we'd been away. What about Anton? Oh, that was fun, but it was just a residency fling, you know. So... Are you going to see Braylon now that you're back? I asked, dreading the answer as the waiter handed us our Bellinis. I really wasn't sure how much more of Braylon I could stand. Perhaps, she said. Lana, Bree, and I looked determinately in opposite directions. Cheers to you two finally being back, Lana said, holding her glass up. Oh, uh, Brooklyn, your purse is vibrating, Bree said, handing it out to me. I pulled my phone out and saw that Apollo was calling me. Oh, he's got some nerve, that one, Gemma said. Let me answer it, Brooklyn. No, I said, holding it out of reach. What do I do? I looked at Lana and Bree. Bree shook her head, wide-eyed at me. Gimme, Lana said. I handed my phone to her. For a moment, I thought she was going to answer it. But then she pressed ignore. And now we're just going to pop this onto do not disturb mode, because Lord knows he's done enough of that for one lifetime. And she tucked it back inside the pocket of my purse. There you go. Now, where were we? Ah, yes. Cheers! Hours later, I was hopping out of Bree's parents' car and onto my street. We're hiking the chief on Sunday, Brooklyn, Lana shouted out the window. Rain or shine, but most likely rain, so be prepared. We'll pick you up at 5 a.m. 5 a.m., Lana, my God, Gemma protested. We need to beat the crowds, and no one goes that early, trust me. I wonder why, Gemma said sarcastically. Okay, Lan, I waved, and they sped off down the dark street. I reached into my purse for my keys, but couldn't find them. As I rummaged through, growing more and more worried that I may have forgotten to get them from Bree, I caught a glimpse of a dark figure behind me in the reflection of the glass doors. I wheeled around, holding my keys out like some kind of absurd weapon. Crap. Sorry, Brooklyn, I didn't mean to scare you. It was Apollo.
Thanks for listening. That's it for this episode. If you want to find out what happens next right now, subscribe in Apple Podcasts to binge all 10 episodes ad-free. Otherwise, the next episode will be out on Monday. If you're enjoying the show, please consider giving it five stars on Apple and Spotify, writing a review, posting it on social media, and telling a friend. This is an independent podcast, so stuff like that really helps get the word out and support the show. Confessions of a New Grad is written, narrated, and produced by me, Greta Craig. Thank you to the Canada Council for the Arts for supporting seasons three and four. For exclusive news and bonus content, you can follow the show on Instagram at newgradpodcast. Music is licensed through Musicbed and Soundstripe libraries. You can find the soundtracks in the episode descriptions. Artwork and script editing are by Rebecca Montgomery. 